Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Welcome to a new episode of Pili, Raul, and La Musica, presented to you by our friends over at Jack Daniels. And talking about friends, this episode is with none other than nuestros amigos from the band Making Movies from Kansas City. So, Raul, I think this is your first time interviewing them, right? It is. It You've is, known I've them been a before. big fan. Yes, we right. bumped into each other at countless places, uh, different shows, different conferences, on stage, backstage, as we uh, mentioned in the in the episode. But yeah, they're sweethearts. So yeah, I mean, I've interviewed them. I had them on my show, Te Para Tres. I've interviewed them like 10 times, I want to say. So, and I've known them for about a decade. So we've become friends. You know how it is that sometimes when you interview musicians for a while, you kind of become friends with them. You know, it's happened with Mr. Power as well. And it's one of those things that the music industry is, gives you, you know, good friends. And I do consider making movies good friends of mine. And I know you love them too, Raul. So you're going to have a blast interviewing them. And I'm excited because these guys are adored by their fans. And we know that being hometown heroes from Kansas City, we, we get it that their fans are going to love them. But they get the props and the respect by legends like Steve Berlin from Los Lobos, who has produced several of their albums. They've collaborated and now called Ruben Blades a dear friend. And these people know their stuff. So when they give the seal of approval and the nod to a band like Making Movies, not just because of their message, not just because of their music, but because of their drive, their energy, their DIY you know, mentality that has really kind of set them apart from other bands and other groups because they've stuck to their guns and they make great music. As we know, we, we love a bunch of their originals, their covers, and excited for the new album that's to come and so much more. So much respect for them, seriously. They're such a hardworking band. They're go-getters, and I love that. And I mean, like you said, now Ruben Blades is literally their padrino. It's great that they have someone of that stature bless them during this musical journey. I know, right? Talk about a seal of approval. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> like saying, okay, you are now blessed, child. <laughs> I know. You have my total support. Okay, thank you, Ruben. Pretty yeah. damn cool. And you know what's really fun is that a couple of the guys were in the studio and Juan Carlos, one of the members of Making Movies, is roaming around the streets of Kansas City. So you can hear it. You can hear the traffic. You can hear the birds. And it's such a fun chat. It's kind of like a little um, tour guide of the sounds <laughs> of Kansas City thanks to Juan Carlos. <laughs> All right. So let's get this party started with Making Movies on Jack Daniels Presenta, Pili, Raul, and La Musica. to have my friends and your friends as well Raul right because you've met them before absolutely and I'm big 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 fans yes I've known them for I don't even know how many 
years now. And I don't know how many times I've interviewed them, pero son como familia para mí. Um, I would definitely say that they are one of the hardest working bands out there con nosotros, Diego, Enrique, y Juan Carlos de Making Movies. Welcome, guys. Hey, thank you. Saludos. <laughs> See, this is the first time I get to interview guys. I mean, we've chatted at concerts, in green rooms, backstages, on stages, but never officially behind microphones. So it's a blast to see you guys and to chat with you guys. And I guess we should give a little background and let's get to some of the beginnings of the band because I know you guys have been through a lot. Based in Kansas City, but give us kind of the roots of making movies. The band formed in, in Kansas City, um, Diego and I are brothers, and we knew that we could explore making music that that lived in the, I guess in the in-between, between, like if you were like scanning through a rock and roll station and then you slipped into a salsa station, that there was something happening in, in the middle there. And we didn't know why, but when we met Juan Carlos, that dream seemed possible, the artistic part of it, because Juan Carlos, like our family, um, our dad's a rockero, Beatles nut, guitar playing, you know, uh, you know, rock and roll fan. And our mom is just a normal Panameña. If it's not a, a cumbia, merengue, uh, salsa, she just doesn't care. And she doesn't know what the songs ever say or who wrote them or what they wrote them about. She just wants to dance. And Juan Carlos has almost, almost a parallel Mexicano version of that story. Well, yeah, my dad was a drummer in Mexico and Guadalajara back in the late 60s, early 70s for a band called The Spiders. And uh, they were a psychedelic rock band. And then, uh, yeah, he moved to the States after him and my mom met, got married. And then same thing with my mom, but she grew up dancing ballet folklorico. And so that side of, of that family and my mom's side of the family grew up dancing. And I grew up dancing since I was three years old. So I grew up with the very well-rooted side of the, my Mexican heritage. Even though growing up in the in the middle of the United States, you know, I always had that passion and love for Mexico. I went to go study there in the uh, in Guadalajara at the university just to continue on with learning folklore and the love for it. So, yeah, same parallel uh, kind of lives within our families, but just a little bit different stories. And it's been great that you guys have been able to maintain your roots and el folklore de ambos de sus países, de Panama y de México in your project has that been challenging at all i, I don't know if, if that's that part has been challenging but it it is um maybe the challenge is that those those things are pretty precious and you can't you can't fake it you can't half-ass it and so sometimes you know i think that we i guess we didn't we underestimated how much work it is those simple three chord folklore songs like it, it seems like it's like oh yeah breeze you just you know just you know, play three chords and sing the song it's got four lyrics to it it's not so simple that music's very deep and through time we've earned more and more respect for it um i think that that would be my my perspective on it yeah and i think also when um we got to travel to panama for the first time me going to panama we got to see some folklore panameño and it was very um, eye-opening for me to see a lot of the similarities también in Panamanian folklore and Mexican folklore in, in a specific region of Mexico, all, more so with like the Caribbean, Veracruz area and things like that. And a lot of the way they dressed, the formal dresses, um, the steps, even, step, the, even the, zapatea, the steps were very similar. So it kind of blew my mind 
And so it made us realize it's it all comes from the same place. And we all and we obviously had to go and dig deeper and where to see where that place was from. And we're now kind of you know thankfully being able to figure that out now as we're here 12 years later <laughs> as a group. Yeah, we've been saying that it's like trying to create a sopa. And at first, uh-huh. we didn't know how much of which ingredient uh, needed to go into the pot. But now we have a, a, a balance from the understanding of the folklore and an understanding of the rock and roll that we grew up listening to. We had too much celery and carrots. <laughs> <laughs> Cut out the apio, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you gotta have it. You got Well, you guys fuse that kind of rock sound with all the traditional elements. I mean, you're talking folklorico, but also there's cumbia, like you mentioned, salsa. But you guys have managed to make folklorico music hip and cool for the younger generation. Was that always a goal in mind to like kind of stay true to these roots? That wasn't an intentional goal for me. Um, mm-hmm. For me, the the if I could put the goal, like I remember the 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 idea before we actually could start trying it was that I um, could feel an energy in like like La Murga de Panama, the Willy Colon and Hector Lavoe song, that when the the horn came in, and it was recorded too hot and so they were like probably on too much cocaine and the engineer <laughs> yeah. had cranked the highs that the tape machine is f- wigging out and so the it sounds distorted like the, the trombone sounds like fuzzy um and you hear like black dog by led zeppelin and there's some like, there's some similarity in the energy that's conjured it took us this journey to kind of realize that that's no accident it's it's that the the real like if you go to like 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 in Panama they always say like when tu abuela if you're being racist mm-hmm. at all if you're mm-hmm. like you're like ah mm-hmm. negro blah 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 and it's like oh you can't say that because look at who your grandmother is because everybody in Panama's grandmother is is black or you know has some some black ancestry yeah. so you can't be yeah. be racist about it so it's almost like that like if you really look at the abuelo of the abuelo of the abuelo of rock and roll and the abuelo of the abuelo and the abuelo of salsa and you'll be like or the abuela really the mothers of these genres you're going to find at some point they they find a common ancestor and it's not that far back and and i think that we were trying to we were trying to find that um and then come from that place and and then once you come from that place then then you can do whatever because you're coming from the place where it originally came from mm-hmm. you know it's funny yesterday i was having dinner with a couple of friends and they were talking about dire straits and I'm like, that's funny. I'm interviewing a band tomorrow who's named after a Dire Strait album, <laughs> which is kind of like, and they were asking me, like, is their sound similar to Dire Straits? And I was like, I don't think so. But no, not even. <laughs> There's definitely a little influence. There's definitely a little influence. You know, and hear. his guitar playing style is a little influence. Yeah, you hear a little Mark bit Knopfler. of the twang. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I play with. I like playing with my fingers and the picks. So I mean, on a very minute level, yes. <laughs> but our, our papa was a big Dire Straits fan. He still is a big. I say was. He still is a big Dire Straits fan. And uh, so growing up, we had all of their records, and including making movies, which is where we got the idea for the band name well you can even hear it and you mentioned the beatles but even like in the vocals like some of those vocals from back in the day like if you hear them today you're gonna say wow they were distorted what were they doing what kind of drugs were they on but that was very intentional and solely on purpose to hear either paul mccartney's or john lennon's for that impact and that's what you know some of this instrumentation and your vocals do you know it's definitely for impact and to make 
make it resonate for the for the person listening and you can hear it that that's that you guys take a lot of those cues from these vintage bands yeah we've always wanted to so we like we used to have a rule and I, I guess we only we only broke the rule for Americana where we were collaborating and so I had to file fly a bunch of files back and forth so there's a couple of tracks that this isn't true but we always record the actual magnetic tape because it was I was just an idea that I had that it's like we need to have some of that sauce in our music you know a little bit of that rough around the edges and and I think it also puts you in a headspace you know there's infinite editing possible when you're doing everything on a computer and when you even if it's just psychological, when you're like, we have to play this together, right? You know, um, there's an, an intensity to that that it's hard to replicate when you're just like, you know, if you're sitting there in your in your computer, and some people make music like this, they're amazing at it. They'll be have a mic like this, and they're they're like typing their 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 edits as they're singing. Like I guess um, our friends in Florida Toloache, they did a collab with Miguel, and he is so fast at editing his vocals that he hates having anybody else engineer. So he, <laughs> he he sings his vocal takes, or at least sometimes he sings sitting down, which you think like that's like, like bad technique for most people with his hands on the keyboard and mouse so that he can wow. sing, edit, sing, edit, copy, in, tick, 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 sing. Which is like, I just, wow. I don't, it's kind of amazing. I don't even understand how you can have both your, both brains happening at once. But um, that's one way to make music and you can do amazing stuff that way. We felt like we needed the other thing, the, the, all right, guys, if we don't get it right now, if we're running out of tape, we needed that pressure to create. Expensive. The... It's expensive. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Two inch tape is usually pretty, pretty, pretty pricey. So do you work better under pressure? Yeah. I also think, too, that uh, being in a household that had all of these artists that were recording this way, we wanted to pull something from that tradition and have some part of that be what we do. And I, I remember thinking back to like um, that when we were first working with Steve Berlin on our first album, which was the, the first time we did it all, the, the setup that we had hoped for, which is we do the band all to tape. Uh, we're, we're putting the tape, uh, we dump that into the computer. So if we need to do edits and mixing all that and, or any overdubs left over, we can do that there. And it felt like, oh, we're doing a bridge between both worlds. We can live a, one foot in the, the tradition and the vintage and all the stuff we grew up listening to and one foot taking advantage of the world that we live in today. And that has actually been the ethos of our band the whole time. Even our music is that, you know, one foot in tradition, one foot in something that's been part of something ancient and one foot in, well, let's, what, what's new in the world today? What, what can we add to it? Or what, what's our new perspective on all that now? And that's making you break so many barriers, too, in so many ways. And confusing a yeah. lot of people. Yes. <laughs> let's let's talk about that, because I know people are like, where do we, you know, what genre are they? Like, I feel like nobody's in a specific genre unless you're like 100% reggaeton or like 100% rock. But most people fuse nowadays. So what, why do people feel the need to encasillar a cualquier banda? It's like everybody just uses all types of different influences i i don't know I, I don't know why it's so important to people um i guess it helps like categorize you know things for record stores or for radio stations but you know one thing that that we are something that we we kind of um hit as a as a stumbling block in our band's journey was that just by singing in spanish 
we were then put into a Latin music category that um, was act was actually like, I mean, growing up in Kansas City, we're in the Midwest, and and I mean in LA, there's biculturalness in San Antonio. There's like bilingual everything. New York City here. We had a promoter, uh, Daisy's wearing a Hooray for the Riff Raff shirt, and we had this promoter in Tulsa, Oklahoma, when when Alinda had invited us on the first tour together, he fought tooth and nail to not let us play. He goes, we don't do that kind of music at our club. It's an Americana club. We don't do your kind of music. Like, what do wow. you mean? Like, our kind of, like, drums, <laughs> bass, guitar, you don't do that at your club? Like, I'm pretty fucking sure you do that at your club. Like, and... And uh, his the uh, Linda's management team put her put their foot down and said, "What, what the fuck are you doing? You're a small club in Tulsa. We get to pick our opener. We're on tour," and um, they let us play. And the owner apologized to me. I wouldn't have gotten wit, caught wind to it till he came up to me at the venue and said, "I want to apologize to you. You all were great, and people loved it. And I fought tooth and nail saying that you wouldn't fit our crowd. It doesn't fit our club." Oh wow. my God, the level of ignorance, verdad? I know, totally. And the, you, you mentioned somebody like Steve Berlin, and of course, he's from Los Lobos, amazing producer who's obviously worked on your first three records, and actually a good friend of the family. And I actually asked him, I go like, "Well, what was the first thing that drew you to making movies?" And he was actually with you guys at the venue uh, Knuckleheads in KC, mm -hmm. and. He heard a song that was outside their green room and he actually came out because he thought the DJ was playing something that he had never heard and come to find out that it was you guys performing live on stage. And that's from the, you know, the stature of somebody like a Steve Berlin. That's got to give you some kudos to where it's like, okay, that's that's putting you guys in a particular location where you can't pigeonhole your sound, but it's enough that it draws from different elements that it brings somebody out like that to see what the F is this going on. <laughs> yeah, that was a crazy experience. I think all of us at the same moment, because we didn't see him, or at least I didn't see him on the side of the stage. And uh, yeah, he told us that story that he just happened to come out to see, you know, piqued his curiosity to whatever was playing at the time. And same thing, he's like, what is playing? To think that, you know, he hasn't heard anything sound like us is, astonishing after how many years in the business and so that yeah that's a huge compliment to us and the fact that after the show we got to talk to him and hang out with all of the guys but he made sure that we he was the the first person that we called when we were ready to make our our, our album and like Enrique always jokes he, he didn't know that we he was our only contact at the moment to, <laughs> to, to produce produce our album so we were like you know what we'll think about it steve thanks for thinking about it. <laughs> you have to space out the, the text to make sure that you don't seem like real thirsty you know to, right right you're like we have a we have a lineup of producers who want to work with you're not us. the first guy we who came out here to, to exactly exactly i love it <laughs> hey it worked you know I kind of want to go back to um, your experience of having a promoter saying, like, we don't play your kind of music. Was that what prompted your new documentary, Americana? It's exactly it. Um, there's another story. So we were we were at a festival in, in the East Coast, and it's like a famous folk festival that Pete Seeger's played at, Bob Dylan, even Tito Puente and stuff like that. So, like, it, it's historic. I think it's the longest-running 
folk festival or something like that. It's historic for for that kind of stuff. And you know, the folk music scene was is very progressive and leftist and all that kind of stuff. So you never would expect this, but just like the the ignorance here, we showed up and like you know we're, we're like excited to play this historic festival and there's like thousands of people and there's a big stage, a couple of big stages and and they're like, where are we playing? And then we, we we pull up to this. Remember, like Yvonne got lost. You know, we were trying to figure out where the tent was, and we pull up back to behind this muddy tent. And there's Gina Chavez, who we hadn't met, but we knew each other. How we met her? We, uh, just... we yeah, crossed paths once before, really quickly. But this was the first time that we were gonna share the stage. They they told us, oh, you guys are gonna do something together. It was um, it was poorly stage managed because we find out that moment like an hour before we're supposed to play yeah it's a i was like we're like how does this work it's 45 minutes and it's both of us there's not enough time to change acts yeah you're supposed to collaborate i was supposed to collaborate in the stage there was like no waters no sound guy they had made a mistake logistically that just added to the insult to injury because this muddy little tent that could fit like 27 people or something and we're supposed to collaborate with gina chavez and nobody knew that gina nor us Oh Luckily, God. we like we like. Do you know? I think it might have been La Murga. It's like, do you know what cumbia? I think I know La Murga. I mean, whatever. Like we like figured out something that we could do together. <laughs> and then, um, and then I walked out outside the tent, kind of mad, you know. And I looked, and it was it was the culture tent. Oh, I see. And it's like, wow, like it's that was 2017. That wasn't 1967. Wow, that you know, right? <laughs> like. You guys break down. I can attest. So, Raul, I don't know if I've ever shared this with you, but for all the listeners out there. So, I was very, like, I was lucky enough to fly to Kansas City to record an episode of my TV show, Te Para Tres, with Making Movies. And they were doing their Making Movies Carnaval. Mm-hmm. And it was my first time in Kansas City. We were there just to shoot with them. So they took us around. It was such a fun time. It was, you know, it was very eye-opening. But when I got to the venue and I, I and I got on stage to introduce you guys, I look around and I'm like, this is, I mean, they're all like Harley Davidson. It's all like bike people, you know? It's like, it's not what you would have thought of for the audience for making movies. And they loved them. And that's the power of what you guys are doing. It's like you're truly because I feel like nowadays everybody uses that term breaking barriers. I've seen it with my own eyes. You guys actually do that. And I think that's your strongest suit. Thank you. That's a great compliment. Thank Thank you, you, Pili. That was special to have you there. Well, it was it was so special to be there in general. And Azomatli was there. It was just a very cool experience for all of us involved. Was that the first one? Was that the first uh, Making Movies Carnaval? It was. Yeah, yeah. it was. It's, wow. I guess- so I could just imagine the nerves and, you know, the tension and everything, you know, it was like, wow, organizing and it was a, a bike bar. It was like a yeah, bike yeah. bar. Yeah, Knuckleheads <laughs> is this this biker dive that yeah, has, yeah. Uh, it's part of like the blues circuit. And, you know, I, I think you're, you're right to speak to the power of us. But when we have worked with other artists that have done anything similar. Like sometimes they're artists, they're black artists that broke through to white audiences Mm -hmm. or um, other artists like us that are Latino, but they're bicultural and they reach audiences of all kinds. At the end of the day, that's to me the power of music, that there's something so universal inside of music that lets us forget that there are these divides that we think of, whether they're language or the country that you were born in or 
or what, you know, like none of that matters. We, we actually have something together. Or whether it's a culture stage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or the culture stage. <laughs> it, the it, music is still good. You still want to enjoy it. You want to dance to it. You want to feel connected to you, you know? And I got to say that they, you know, that set was actually fun. And the next day we played a better stage and it turned, you know, the story wasn't all sour, but it just does goes to show that they are, the barriers still exist. It's not. It's not yeah. fake. Early. This is a story we don't tell that often. But in the, around that time, when when Billy, when you um, came to Kansas City, we um, we started a, a radio campaign for a song on our first album, and it was like the song that that Steve had kind of earmarked as a single. And we were hitting a lot of uh, we were hitting a lot of barrier a barrier like we again this is not this doesn't work at our radio station that kind of thing and this is like triple A non com stuff. Um, and then we realized that if we deleted every Spanish word out of the pitch, we are a band called Making Movies, made a record with Steve Berlin. And they were like, of Los Lobos, is that okay? Can we put of Los Lobos? We're like, no, Los Lobos is safe Spanish. Leave Los Lobos. <laughs> and then kept the- Yes, yeah, very safe Spanish. <laughs> yes, it kept, the, kept the, uh, the pitch the same. We had more success. And then like you fast forward to our album Americana, and it, I, on the NACC chart, the Latin chart, we actually had the best charting record. Like we beat um, Santana and and Grupo Fantasma. They're like on the chart too. For this song, Delilah was did really well for us um, um, in that in that place. So that's like three two records later. But um, again, that wasn't that long ago that that we had to pretend we weren't Latino to sneak in the back door, and then and now just wait. Now that we're no, in, that, once now that we're stage, in, oh, you there's just, like no denying that yeah. you're Latino. <laughs> yeah, you guys just had to push the door a little bit open and then you guys just burst it through. <laughs> well, it, it's all about being socially conscious. And that's what you guys have been since day one. And I mean, Making Movies Carnaval is actually a fundraiser. And for those who don't know, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it is. It's evolving um, because we're going to take the Americana brand and we're going to... Um, rebrand the festival as Celebrate Americana in 2022. And we're doing, and we're using that, we're creating these documentary pieces and, and things to kind of aim at that direction. But before we, before we started Carnaval, we had already started a music camp and we used, um, I think the second year of Carnaval, we knew that we had to grow this camp into a more robust programming for young artists. And we used Carnaval as a fundraiser and raised a bunch of money and, and uh, we're able to kickstart a youth program for young songwriters. And now it's like, now that organization is growing rapidly. We just built a studio for the kids. It'll be open um, by the end of summer and, and uh, are looking for a site, a permanent site for the programming in, in, an, in an immigrant neighborhood that we have been impacting. That's where we started the music camp. So that all, I mean, that all came up um, together. It wasn't, we were, it, it wasn't a big plan. It was like, we wanted to do something, so we started the camp. Then Ozomotli's like, can you bring us to Kansas City? We need a, a pickup gig. And we're like, oh, my God, that's what an opportunity. Let's let's create like a festival and let's let the kids play. Then after doing that, it's like, we got to grow the camp. Maybe we use the festival to grow the camp. Oh, cool. Let's do that. Boom. And then little by little, it's been kind of stair-stepping to where it's at. And a lot of that comes from the things we learned from Juan Carlos's family. That ties back to folklore, actually. What do you guys think is like the biggest um, growth for you musically from A La Deriva to I Am Another You to Americana? A lot of it's because of just all the influences that we've had in these, in these years that we've been uh, as a group, meeting Los Lobos, meeting Ruben Blades, being able to meet 
a lot of people who we've looked up to musically. Um, you know, we knew that we knew that at some point that we were going to have to kind of break free of all these stigmas and all these things that we we had kind of against us and feel like, you know what, guys, we now have to become, you know, just we need to decide what is making movies. And I think this these past two years have really uh, have done that for us. I think as a group, we've, we've gone through some changes. Um, we've gone through a couple of drummers, including my uh, my younger brother, who was our last drummer, and we have a new drummer now, uh, Duncan Burnett. But, you know, being able to hone in our sound, and, and, and I think we've finally been able to do that. But I think it's thanks to a lot of people that we have been able to look up to in these, in these past, like I said, 12 years that we've been together. And so... Let me clarify, not only meet Ruben Blades, but also record... And collaborate with Ruben Blades. It's been... That that alone was just, um, I mean, for me personally, because we all we all grew up listening to Ruben, especially you know Los Panameños as Hermanos Chi, and being able to just meet him, talk to him, uh, have him give him his guidance, uh, has been truly a blessing. And I, I, and then we got to open up for him at the Auditorio Nacional in Mexico City last year, right before the pandemic hit, and yeah, that. Uh, that in itself, I could have died the next day and I would have been happy. <laughs> yeah. Well, all these guys that you're mentioning, they ooze information and 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 really, you know, the words of wisdom, mm-hmm. you know. So I can see how you guys took, you know, the words from Ruben or Steve or whoever, you know, that you guys have worked with. Ozo Motley, you know, I, I can see how even like here in L.A., you know, we call like Ozo Motley, Los Lobos. La Santa Cecilia now, kind of hometown heroes. That's kind of where you guys are for for KC, which is awesome. You know, now you guys are kind of to that level. And like you say, you guys are helping that next generation, doing the fundraiser, doing the all, all the, the the studio work and everything for them. So it's got to be massive for you. And creating consciousness también. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I was on a on a, a Zoom call during kind of like the tighter lockdowns, and and it was. I forgot what it was, but it was like somebody was putting us through a, an exercise. It was connected to the not-for-profit. And that's what that, what you just said is what popped into my head of what the real goal is. The real goal is elevating consciousness, right? And and you can do that with music for a young person um, because they're attracted to it. We all we all have used music as a pacifier at some point. Like, a, oh, man, I feel I feel down there. I feel messed up and knots inside. And we've all put on those those headphones and and had that help us. So young people who are going through stuff are doing that and music becomes this great like hook to to do what though? What are you hooking them into? Just to make them better at music? That's a good thing to do. But I think the the word that came to my mind is that is is uh you know, crear conciencia, elevate consciousness. And that's what Ruben's whole bit was about and he not only as a writer um when we worked on Note Calles together and he wrote the words for that and he freaked me out by he's like i got the verse and the chorus i need you to write the bridge and i was like it's like two lines you know but it's like how am i gonna write something after ruben like ruben mapped out this like this you know it's like this beautifully laid out architecture of poetry and then i usually just like throw stuff at the wall and see what lands and i was so afraid to send him the email but when i sent him the email here's what i think the lyrics should be he goes Perfecto. So, so cer, cer, cierra el argumento perfectamente, or something like that. He's like, cierra el argumento la, 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 de, de la canción. So wow. it's like, like it closes the loop, you know. And yeah. um, 
those those points of confidence. And he has seemingly, I don't know if he's this way, he must be this way often because he gets that nickname El Maestro, but he took a point to meet with us in New York in January of 2020, in January 2020, right before the pandemic hit. And we just had lunch and it turned into three hours. And he was just like, one, it was trippy because we had been talking about everything that we were, all our questions in the van of just like, man, what about this? What about that? You know, what should we do about this? Like, why is this still a struggle for us? It's as if he had heard the van conversation and he entered the lunch meeting answering the questions almost one by one of the things we were talking about the night before. Like he, he's like, I want to meet with you all. Come meet me at this restaurant. It's a Chino Cubano restaurant. You can get Chinese food or Cuban food at this little, you know, this little spot in New York that he's obviously been going to for many years. And he just was going, and it was, it was so much, it was so intentional of him that it, it was like, it felt really natural. I literally pulled out a notebook and started taking notes. Like he was there to give us a lesson. He's like, make sure do this, don't do this. Focus on this, don't focus on that. Like keep your priorities straight. You can't control this, you can't control that, but you can control this. So focus mm-hmm. on that. And and I had to pull out a journal, and we were all just sitting there soaking it up. And um, that, I mean, that's priceless. I, I, what you know, I don't even know who to express gratitude to other than Ruben. You know, for for those kind of experiences, it feels lucky. Like what right, the for sure. what the hell? It's amazing. What and what was the biggest take from all that? All those notes that you've been able to apply and that you've seen any results from? Right, write a well, song the, like El Cantante. Is what take That was first. Because if you can do that, you'll be good. You know, it'll all come together. I could have told you that. You know, he said he said a couple things. It's like he opened with we had all that existential crisis, and he opened with he opened by saying, "The journey is long and meandering and at times confusing, but you are on the path." You know, like, so it started with that, which already was a sigh of relief. But then the one thing I remember taking away was he said, you know, if you can get your thoughts, your emotions, your actions, your uh, words, and I'm forgetting one because he had five. Uh, it was four. It was just those four? Yeah, it was four. Okay. Yeah, he's got the notes. Oh, he's yeah, pulling them out. I'm going to see if there's something from here that I, I forgot. He goes, if you can get your, your thoughts... <laughs> your your feelings your emotions your actions and your words to all line up no matter what it is that you're doing even if it appears to have failed you will feel accomplished in it because you were at least being honest and true to yourself and that mm. will attract the things that you need to come come your way and that Oof. to me was was you know it's it's deep it sounds simple obviously very hard to do in practice but that was the biggest learning for us and after that, we were like, check these. It was beautiful. <laughs> we're good to go. <laughs> we had our cafe, and I was like, y pa fuera. No, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Yeah, he did a talk one time at LAMC. Were you there for that one, Billy? When, I don't think so, no. I was there. Enrique was there. You Enrique were there. Was okay, there. yeah, because I think we talked at that time. And, oh, my God, he had the room jam-packed, first of all. And everybody was just con la baba. Every word that Ruben would say, it's like, Yes, maestro, por favor, danos más. Explícanos más, por favor. You know, everybody, because that's what 
LAMC in theory is for, you know, to learn the business, the art side of it, you know, the record industry, the ins, the outs, the pitfalls to avoid. And he was there just schooling, but he did it in a way that is like down to earth. Like even, like even when I first asked him, well, what do you prefer? Do you want me to prefer, introduce you as Ruben Blades or Ruben Blades? He goes, it doesn't matter. However you want. I'm all like, wow. You know, just to give you immediately that opening and then for him to start talking the way he talks. And I'm sure, you know, that conversation that you guys had must have been mind blowing because it was for me then. I mean, he's so well read and so smart. And, you know, he's a great actor. He's a great songwriter. He's a, a great singer. It's like he, he doesn't do anything wrong. And he he he, uh, he also like is open when he does. <laughs> he's like. Mm-hmm. That was incredible. The one incredible thing he he, one other incredible moment was when we were in Mexico, and we did a press junket with it with him, and and he had us sitting next to him at the press junket, and and it's intense. Writers because of this gift he has, writers are like they're like trying to pull the life out, like they're like they're like Ruben, 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 like like yelling, kind of yelling at him, and then somebody has to calm him down, and then he's like, I, I, you know, there's something happening in Chile. I algo pasando, no, este, esta protesta, etc. Tell us what you think about it, and. With this intensity, like, like as if he's gonna, he's like, I'm a singer in New York City. I'm not sure how I could solve the political unrest in Chile. You know, you can hear, you can see him processing that, but then yet making an educated answer. Um, And and somebody would called out uh, the situation with his son, and and how you know he had not known that it was that it was his son, and it took a long time to get that situation made right. And and he he said, well, the reason they were asking about his documentary, and he just said the reason why I made the, allowed the documentary to be made is because I wanted to honor the the story of my son. I had made a mistake; it's the mistake I'm most embarrassed about and feel the worst about in my life. And the worst thing you can do when you make a mistake is not admit to it and not be open about mm-hmm. it. So I'm admitting that this was a mistake. And I'm like, how, wow, how you do, wow, that's that's a thing to aspire to, you know. For sure. Yeah. Wow. You know, I opened up the conversation saying that I feel like you guys are one of the hardest working bands out there. And I truly do believe that. Is there any point where you're like, you know what? Maybe I'll s- take it back a bit. And I've done everything I can. I put in all of the effort. I'm just going to let it flow now and see where it takes me. I don't think we can do that. I, I, I don't function very well taking it easy. The pandemic, I yeah. worked really hard on the not-for-profit, harder, more hours than ever maybe, because I just need to keep my mind busy. But I will say, Pili, that with the music, the one thing that um, I, I, I like, I almost don't want to be remembered as the hardest working band. A lot of people say that right when they introduce us, and I almost don't want to be remembered as that because. Um, when you're actually in the process of playing music, you have to turn all that off and let it come through you. And then the things that come towards you kind of play themselves out. So I think we got the hardworking part down. And now it's like when it's time to create, the challenge becomes getting to that place of, am I aligned? Is my emotion and my my message and my body and my spirit, is that all like hitting at the same place? you know, you succeeded. Wow. And then, so then during pandemic, I mean, you guys obviously didn't do the carnaval, but how gut wrenching was it not to be able to give 
back to the community in that way and actually executing that. I mean, you mentioned, obviously, you guys are really busy with the, with the fundraiser and with the nonprofit, but actually not doing that execution that people kind of rejoice in and come out to celebrate. How was it? How difficult was that not to be able to do it? Well, psychologically, the, the pandemic was, is such a, a, a hurdle to get over because all of a sudden everything that we were doing ended. You know, we, I remember when we got the call, we were all together in Memphis. We were working on an, uh, a new album uh, and we got a message that South by Southwest had been canceled and we were, we were scheduled to, to showcase. And the following week we were going to fly to, or after, right after that, we were going to fly to Panama, Panama shutting down. Like everything was closing all at once. And so, you know, the psychological toll of like, well, who, who am I? What do I even, what do I do anymore? I don't have anything to do. It, it, the challenge became uh, being very centered with what it is that, that we do as a group, as a band. And that in this case, we, we decided that the band kind of means just what four people agree to do together. And so what we agreed to do together in the pandemic was pivot the nonprofit to do, we had conversations virtually with uh, guests that would come and speak to the kids and share their stories that way so we could do something that young people could be receiving from uh, some kind of a educational perspective, you know? Everybody that was home suddenly had free time so we could have Zoom interactions not so different than our interview right here and let the students ask questions ourselves be gleaning from the same master knowledge that's being passed down. You know, we had Los Lobos come through, we had Floretta Loache talk to the students, We've had uh, Black Pumas, yeah, Black Pumas, uh, Chicano, uh, Batman. Yeah, Chicano Batman. It was great. Um, and as a group, we decided we're going to continue to work on this album. We're going to finish this album. We have we can focus on it fully. There's nothing else. To, there's no touring. So we agree on that. And if we do that, then we're OK. You know, like and, and we ended this pandemic year amazingly having accomplished both. We, we grew the nonprofit and we are wrapping up a record that we're all very excited about. And we made a documentary. And a documentary. Oh, and the documentary. I forgot about that. And the documentary. <laughs> well, we're excited for it all, man. So so I guess it, talk to us a little bit about the new record because we're waiting for new music. Obviously, La Marcha is fantastic. And what it what what the lyrics stand for. And me personally, I love the drama that happens at the end where it just gets kind of orchestral and moody and kind of like, it's like you, it just like within a song within three and a half minutes or whatever it is, it takes this dramatic shift is more on the album going to be kind of like that. Or what can we expect? I, I think La Marta is a great teaser for the album. It was recorded in the same sessions, So same, uh, studio and, and, um, and it 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 does it. I think it, I think it does give you a taste, right? Because it's the album's very danceable and rhythmic, and the groove is more the the centerpiece of the thing. But it also has these twists and orchestral turns to it, too. And um, yeah, that was I remember that moment in the studio. That's where we we were we were trying to rush through an album because we were playing at South by Southwest. We were going to open up for Jose Feliciano. And then the festival in Panama, we were playing with Los Lobos at this beach festival. And I was so pumped to party with Los Lobos in Panama. I was like, this is going to be, this is it. This is it. You're like, they're, they're in my turf. I'm going to take yes, them Yes, I was yeah. so pumped, man. And heartbroken. And Jose Feliciano, like, that's like, I mean, I, I, I grew up, like, 
listening and my dad would show him, look at this guy. Because Jose Paisano plays a version of Jimi Hendrix. Uh, he, he would do a version of Jimi Hendrix, Purple Haze, on a nylon string guitar that's just like mind-blowing. And and as a kid, I love that. So I was sad. But, um, but then that energy shift on the album, I think um, I feel confident to say that it's, it is our best work because we were able to cut out all the noise. We were forced to. There's no other distractions. And we just put all, all of ourselves into it. Um, it was a great learning experience, too, I think, in that way. So when is it coming out? We we are talking to labels right now, so we don't we don't know exactly when it's coming out. But um, wait, what did you say? Labels? Yeah, we're looking for the right marriage. <laughs> it's tough out there, you know. Are you are you abandoning? We're, are you abandoning the independent? Perhaps route? we're on the apps. You know, we're just seeing what's out there. We're seeing- swiping left, right. <laughs> it doesn't hurt to ask. It doesn't hurt to ask. Doesn't hurt to ask. You're bumbling and tindering your way through yeah, the music yeah. industry. <laughs> good for you yeah we you know we um i I think i think that we can retain the i mean we already made the thing and and so it's not not nobody's gonna tell us to you know you gotta better add two more songs in english or else it it won't work like okay fine then you're not you're not the right partner for us um so we already made it so we we feel confident in that and we also feel really confident in in the message and the vision like if somebody's afraid of our our message too late like like it's out there we we what we stand for so so we feel confident that that we can kind of still steer the ship um regardless so we're looking for that partnership but tentatively starts dropping singles in september it's all mixed um okay it's mixed by chad blake who's a legendary mixer he's like i've dreamed of working with him um since we started making records that was a steve connection though steve was not at the helm this time but mostly because i mean only because of the pandemic because he couldn't come fly in at first. We we would get in a van and drive. It was a trippy experience. We we had a we had access to our manager had a connection to an artist residency area of this big arts complex that was like an old Sears building. So it was mostly vacant because it hadn't been used since pre the pandemic. So there's like this wing of this building that had nobody in it. And so we would drive to Memphis to this empty building and we could sleep there. And then we'd go to the studio and not do anything, order food in and record during during COVID, during the the kind of heavy parts of the lockdown. And I think that feeling gave the record a different flavor because it was just it was like a, a zombie apocalypse. At night, we'd get on the balcony and look at Memphis. And it was like a kind of a dense neighborhood in Memphis, like real, real close to downtown. There'd be like one guy on a bike, like at you know eleven o'clock at night, like you know going through, and you're like, did the world end? Like the world ended. It's it's done. Right. Well, I'm glad you guys didn't stop making music, and I'm glad that you're you know just testing it out. It has to be the right label for sure. I know that you guys are smart enough, and you've been in the industry long enough to know that if there's a little spark of uh, this might not be it, then I'm sure you guys won't go that route. But yeah. I'm excited for you guys. Any any cool collaborations yeah. that you can tell us with this new album? We can tell who was. Come on. Okay. We're all a little gun shy. We're like, how much do we say? How much do we say? On one song, we had a guitarist, Mark Rebeau, which was a, a crazy story. If you guys know who Mark Rebeau is, um, he happened to be in Memphis at the same time we were in Memphis. And he was doing a show um, at the at the place that we were happened to be doing uh staying at 
and we were just like, oh, wouldn't that be amazing? Because it's Enrique is one of Enrique's top three guitarists. And we're like, wouldn't it be amazing if we invite him to the studio and he'd come and play on this track? And we just happened to already record the track. And um, without us having to go to his show to beg him to be on the track, he shows up at the studio as we're tracking, as we're recording with somebody from the, who was, who brought him in to do the show. And I guess he brought him to look at, the, to see the studio. And we just happened to be there. Wow. I remember, and I remember the look on Enrique's face. He was just like, we're like that right now. Just hearing you, just hearing you say it. <laughs> oh yeah. He's like, he played guitar on all of like Tom Waits, favorite rec, like famous records and stuff. He's a wild, wild. He plays, I always plays with David Hidalgo too. They'll do duo shows. Cause they're both on that level. They're just like wicked musicians. Yeah. That was, that was insane. And then, um, so that, that was actually right as the pandemic started shutting things down, right? We were starting the record cause we talked right. to Mark. We're like, I remember I texted Steve. Well, cause we were all excited and we asked Mark, like Mark and Steve were like, have you all ever had a show cancellation cause of a virus? Like, as if like, like maybe th does that happen? Like he's like, no, <laughs> that's never happened. <laughs> this is new for everybody. <laughs> Um, we also, uh, Reverend Hodges, who played organ on all of Al Green's hits, and we got to go to Roll Studios where he cut all those hits on the organ where he played those organs. He he shows up and plays organ with us on a track to give a real Memphis vibe to one of the tunes. Wow. I mean, that's that's so rich of history. I mean, you, uh, you can't replicate that. You just can't replicate that. And to just, yeah. I'm sure the goosebumps and all that kind of stuff comes into play, just touching those keys, you know, just smelling the, because the, every room has its like aroma, its scent, its, its aura, its energy. I'm sure all that came into play. Yeah, we got to interview him. And uh, during the interview for the documentary, uh, and again, I were sitting right here, in the, right like two feet away from him talking. And he he has a nickname Do Funny because of the way he plays. He has a funny way of playing, so they nicknamed him Do Funny. And I asked him, I was like, "So what is it about your playing that you know? Why is it called Do Funny?" He's like, "Well, for instance, if I start playing Love and Happiness, you know, with Al Green song, and he starts playing da, 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 bah, right in front of us, and I'm just like, oh my God, you're the dude who plays the part of the on the organ that plays on the track, and I'm just like, oh." My. I'm like trying to, and you see my face. I'm just cool. I'm just like <laughs> trying to keep it in. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, both of us were just like, yeah. In, in oh, the documentary, <laughs> in the documentary, like, and, and we tried to edit out the super cheesing that we were, that actually happened. So, like, it's it's in there uh, very subtly, but like, but I look at Juan Carlos and I go, do funny. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'm cheesing so bad, like, so hard. I was just like, oh my God. I was so. But I love how all these like really cool serendipitous encounters are happening. And it's happening because, you know, you, your vibe attracts your, your tribe. You're just attracting yeah. good people to because you guys are good. You know, you guys are not only talented, but you have a good heart. You guys are like, bueno, son buenos hombres, son. And you deserve all of these cool encounters and all of these like mentorships from people that you've that you've always admired and you deserve a lot of éxito. Thank you, a lot of success. Gracias. Yeah. yeah, no, it's been amazing. Ooh. We've had, we've been very lucky in that aspect of just being able to meet our heroes. You know, they always say not to meet your heroes, but we've, I think for us, it's been the right thing to be able to meet the people who have influenced us. Um, just because it's gotten us to where we're at now. I think, I think we're, 
at a point now where we feel comfortable in our own skin uh, as a group. It's no more wondering, well, you know, because we've had so many of those conversations like, well, you guys don't fit here. You don't fit this. You don't, you shouldn't be playing this. You, it should be, why is your name making movies? You guys shouldn't even have a name making movies. You guys sing in Spanish. It's like all these things that you could just be like, well, you know what? Well, never mind. We don't even want to see the group anymore. You know, it's like, screw it. Right. Yeah. You know, it's like, why, why are we even doing this, guys? Why are we naming movies? Why are we doing it? You know, so like, and, but, but the thing is, none of us had those conversations. None of us amongst us never been like, Let's change it. It's always been like, no, we stick into our guns. This is what we're doing. This is who we are. You know, if anybody else doesn't like it, well, then so what? It's on them. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's on them. And so I think that's what's kept us true to ourselves and who we are and as brothers and as family now. And um, and it's thanks to a lot of those people along the way who, who, who we have met. And people like you, too, who, who believe in us and who, who appreciate what we're doing. Um, because it is, it's, it's hard to find that. But when you do find that tribe, when you do find those people, then... It makes everything worth it. Yeah. I mean, even you sticking to your guns and doing what you guys want. Like, I don't, I would have never imagined somebody to do a folklorico version of Everybody Wants to Rule the World. You know? It's, it's so, like, as it, soon as I got so that, good. I'm all like, in, instant play on KCRW. I don't care, you know, that it's not the traditional sounding vibe. I'm all like, it's different. It's flipped. But you guys are sticking to your guns. And that version is one thing. I'm wondering, are, are the songs on the new album all going to be originals or is there going to be maybe another the songs on the or? album are all original but we're starting to um we're starting to play a game that we invented during during covid which is really just an extension of that that idea of like you know people are never gonna think we're gonna cover this and and, and it's also like it's not new i mean great bands do it los lobos do it all the time where they'll just surprise you at a gig and just play something wild that you would have never pictured them playing a merle haggard song or something um, so we're we're starting a game called Whose Song Is It Anyways, and there's already one one in the oven that uh, we like we 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 use Patreon, like we give demos out to our patrons. But we're making a video of a cover. I can't tell you what song it is, but it's not something you'd ever think we would cover. And we're gonna keep. Okay. And we're gonna. Well, we keep, love surprises. We, we just want to can't tell you is because our local radio station actually. Is it <laughs> that would be good. Close. <laughs> Almost. Almost. That's a good one. Um, yeah, that's yeah, the that year is cool. I've ever the thought year. of. Oh, oh. We might come get around to that one. That's a good one. If Can I get some credit for that? She already gave us one. There it is. Well, I mean, any, any more, any yeah. more. Now, Raul, now, Raul, you have to give us one. Oh, you, Mira, Raul, yo, be, you're going to get text messages from me in the middle of the night. I'm going to be, oh, you guys should do this. You guys Please, should do that. Please, text away. Text away, Raul. Be like, all right, Raul, that's been 20 suggestions. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> I think that's enough. I think that's enough. I'm sticking <laughs> no, to Chucha. Ila, ira, ire. Oh, oh, oh. And I'll play Chucha right. in your video. All right, video. we're in. You got it. And we'll have we'll have Raul as a backup dancer. I'm holding you to or the that. DJ, and and you and you 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 have made a dangerous uh, proposition here because you be careful what you wish for. Yeah. Oh, uh, I'm in. I'm in. And I know Pili is. She's not messing around. She's not gonna say something. She's not gonna. Oh pull my through god, it, that would so. be so fun. That would be so fun. Anyway, that guys, we're cool. we're wrapping up. But our last question, we ask this question to all our guests, is if. Is there something that you haven't done that you want to do and make it count? In bed. Is it like a fortune cookie? <laughs> <laughs> we should totally Oh, okay. That. Um, <laughs> That's what it sounds like. Don't <laughs> just 
Um, <laughs> I want to, for me, I want to tour um, South America. I want to go to Colombia, Argentina, Brazil, and um, I think that that would be amazing. And and I can't wait for the world to kind of overcome this virus and Bolsonaro to get ousted and people get vaccines and all this craziness so that we can we can do that. I know there's a lot of rock and roll fans down there. I have two. One is I would love to meet and or work with Sting. We've come so close. We've we've almost opened for him like twice. We almost met him twice. So it's like he's there. But he was the first uh, role model for a bass bassist singer that I, I uh, ascribe to be. I mean, well, how, how much better can you get than Sting? Don't tell Steve you're such a big Sting fan because Steve doesn't like Sting. That's fine. I don't care what Steve thinks. I don't care what Steve thinks. I want to hang out with Sting. Uh, one. Two, uh, and I would love to work with Sting. Two is uh, another, another in the same vein of like, you know, wish list of, of people that we've been influenced by and would love to meet and work with. It would be Peter Gabriel. It's been kind of amazing to think like mm. all these artists that we grew up listening to. Uh, it wasn't until, I mean, I fell in love with their music first. And as I learned more about them, they all had a similar ethic and they all saw the world as a place that when you're an artist and you have such a big presence in it, you should participate in, in making it a better world and do what you can to make it a better world. Mm. And so anyway, I have deep respect for both of them. And I feel like that that's in the future. Very cool. Juan Carlos? Well, I aspire to look like Ruben, which I think I'm well on my way. <laughs> my daughter confuses you know, the two. You got people. it down, man. You got it down. Down especially, to the grades and everything. from the profile, I think. Getting see, there. I see no, that. Yeah, my see my that. daughter, she sees a photo of, of Ruben Blaze and she goes, Tio Juan Carlos. And I'm like, that's not Tio Juan Carlos. But it looks like <laughs> it. <laughs> um, I think one, well, one is actually going to happen next year. We can't, we can't, we can't say what it is. We'll hope well, I'm sure we'll have an announcement at some point at the end of the year of something that we're about to do that I'm ex like, it's a bucket list. And uh, two is being able to tour with Ruben Blades. It's, that was definitely on the horizon as well during but the pandemic happened. But I think that's something that sounds like it, it's, still, it's still possible. And I can't wait. I can't wait for that day. Well, we hope it, it all happens for you guys and all your wishes come true and you make it count. Y gracias nuevamente. Gracias, Diego, Enrique, Juan Carlos. You guys are awesome. I can't wait to see you guys live again. Y dale un buen abrazo. You know that Thank you. we're always here for we you. We love guys. you all. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Yeah, and I can't wait to get to KC. Go have some <laughs> Cuban Chinese food. Go watch a show at Knuckleheads. Come to New York. And yeah. then... And then go to Kaufman, Kaufman hey. Stadium oh, to go watch a yeah, Royals game. Yeah, maybe when the game. Dodgers are in town. Well, uh, you're welcome anytime. I would, you know, I'm a big, massive fan of baseball and going to other stadiums. And that KC Stadium for the Royals is one of the most iconic stadiums on the planet. So yeah. I would love to go do that kind of trifecta thing, you know. But you're you welcome. know that if, if they're playing the Dodgers, Raul, I know, that's super fine. Dodgers that's all right. Fan. I know, but, it's all right. It's all right. Yeah. It's all right. You're welcome. It's all good. It's all good. It's all love. It's all love. Welcome. We'll put you up and we'll take all, good yeah, care yeah. of you. We'll, we'll show you around town. You'll have a great time. Literally, you're welcome anytime. All right. Oíste, Pili. Ya dijeron, eh? Sí. Ya you heard them. Pili knows. Lo tenemos grabado. Sí, pero ya me toca volver. That was too long ago. I have to go back. I have to go back. Yeah, you do have to come back. Both of you guys come back. Yeah, do a podcast here. Sure. And then I'll go and do, I'll take some classes, some flow, folklore. 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 Folklore.
exercise. Okay. And it's already exercised. Nailed it. Exactamente. Yeah. Got all right, it. All I'm right. gonna add you. I'm gonna add you to my Instagram. Page, all right. Accept it. I will. All right. And it will accept you on Pilita with la música as well. Listo. Yes. Two yes. new followers right there. Raúl. Well, guys, continued success. We love you guys, and we can't wait to hear the new record. And can't wait to, like Billy said, see you guys here in LA. See you in KC. Maybe we hey. meet you down in Panama. Who knows where? But Doesn't we definitely got to be there to, you know. Thank you. Some all. hugs and kisses see all you. around. All right. Appreciate it very much. Bye. So we basically have. I would say kind of like a signed agreement given the fact that they said on this recording that they're going to take us to Kansas City. I can't wait. They're going to take us to a baseball game. They're going to put us up. They're going to be our tour guide. I mean, you've already been, but I'm excited to go to Kansas City for the first time. Actually, I remember when I went, um, they took me to a really, really cool jazz club nice. in Kansas City. It was so it was so fun. It was kind of like a speakeasy and it had a live jazz band and we were just mesmerized by the musicians. So it's a really cool city. I can't wait for them to take us back. And if you had never heard of making movies before, I hope you fell in love with their story and now you can fall in love with their music. So check them out on Spotify and anywhere you can find music, you can find making movies and follow them on Instagram, support them, buy their merch. And of course, follow us as well. And we have a new YouTube channel, so make sure to subscribe so you can see and listen to all of your favorite podcasts. And of course, thank you to Jack Daniels, Por el Apoyo de la Musica Latina, Sure Microphones for making us sound on point, and of course, you for following us and enjoying these podcasts week after week after week. We love you. And we will catch you next time. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.